Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. How we doing? Everybody good? Oh, I gotta mention the horns are stressing me out, man. Golly. All the Aggie fans out there are probably excited, but uh, Aggies might lose their coach today, so sorry to hear that. But um, Anyway, well, good morning. Again, my name's Donnie Mae. We're in a series, Understanding the Times and Seasons, and we're in week four. Just a little, before we get into the word today, just a little bit of um, piece here. If you've not purchased or read, if you're a big reader, get Audible, a lot of the content's coming out of this book here. And it's called, Where Do We Go From Here? by David Jeremiah. If you don't like books, the messages are online too. So I highly encourage you to, uh, if you like what you're hearing from the pulpit, from myself, Dave, and other leaders, go and get this book, take it back in, and just kind of like pray over it. It's so, so timely for what we're going through as a nation right now and as a people of God. So, um, so with that, the title of my message today, week four, is called Spiritual Famine. Spiritual Famine. And so kind of studying for this message who likes movies in here? Everybody, anybody really like movies? Matt Damon did a movie uh, called Courage Under Fire. I don't know if you've seen it. But studying his kind of preparation, I love studying. Being a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach by day. And so I really get into these training regimens. So Matt Damon lost 40 pounds to prepare for this role. He went through an intense training regimen, and he went on a self-imposed, way strict diet that he probably shouldn't have uh, partake of. And he did that to lose all the weight. Um, so it, it actually like damaged his health. He had to go to a medical team after the filming of the movie for several months and weeks to get looked at. Uh, his reasoning behind preparing for the role was this. He wanted to fit the role, but he later regretted it. And this is what he said. I had to, I had to be thin and went on, a, went on an unsupervised diet which, I could, which could have killed me. A doctor later told me I could have shrunk my heart permanently and I did not, it would not have been any good. So if you think about just his situation, there's other actors if you study to do similar things, but they willingly take their life and they stop feeding themselves to do what? To prepare for this role or whatever they're gonna go through. And right now, if you look at the sign of the times, you take that kind of analogy, and in America, in the, in the world in general, I believe we're entering into what Amos, the book of Amos talks about, is a spiritual famine. And this is what I mean by that. If you look, there's darkness is increasing, right? Uh, right now, the world, you can see the holy things of God are what? They're in disregard, they're in disrespect, in disarray. People are not turning towards the holy things of God. They are turning away from it. And let's, I'm going to read the, this verse out of Amos here to kind of give you context. Amos 8 verse 11 says this. Amos, again, was de describing his famine. Um, verse 11 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send hunger over the land. Not hunger, for bread or thirst for water, but rather a hunger 
for hearing the words of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you so much for uh, this series. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us today. Um, Holy Spirit, speak to us, bring revelation, bring understanding. Touch our hearts, Lord. I pray that our ears would be open today, Lord. And I pray against any kind of aversion, Lord, to studying and reading and, and holding your word, word as true and faithful and eternal. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Our world is chock full of immorality, indifference to the things of, the, of, of God, and an ever-growing spiritual famine right now. You can see it. There is an increasing amount of not only skepticism, but criticism towards Christians right now. We're being persecuted and attacked because, and we're being labeled as what? We're, we're judgmental, we're unloving. And so what you're seeing is, think of it like this, we're, because we're getting, we're getting away from God's word and we're not, we're not hungering for God's word anymore, guess what? There is no truth. One of my favorite, most powerful scriptures in the book of Judges says this. The last verse of the book of Judges says, In those days there were no kings in Israel. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's the condition we're in right now. It's relativism. You can do what's right for you. You can call it truth, and I can do what's right for me and call it. We have no, right, we have no moral code. We have no law or governance in our life to tell us what's right or wrong. We don't, God's word is becoming, it's being pushed aside. So the book of Amos, it talks about that. Um, Amos was describing a deadly spiritual famine that will affect not just our stomachs, right, but it's going to affect our ears and our hearts in the last days. And real spirituality will be very, very difficult to find. I'm not a prophet or anything, but just as much as I've studied the Bible, the Bible is pretty clear that as we get closer to the end times, it's going to be become more difficult to be a Christian. It's not going to be easier. It's not going to be for the faint of heart, right? If you study God's word and it says this judgment, when God brings judgment, he'll start in his house and he'll start to what? Weed out those who are the real believers and want to follow God and those who aren't. Uh, Dave sent me a bunch of videos preparing for this message this week of, the, I think, the guy Joshua Harris who wrote the book, uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. There's a deconstruction in faith going on. Now, there's people that are walking away from their faith. They've, they've been faithful and, and, and walked with God all these years, and all of a sudden now they're done with it. They're throwing God away, and they're just moving on. And that's this spiritual famine we're seeing. It's happening right now. Um, let me talk a little bit, let me give you a little, some pieces here and we'll get into the points, but let's talk a little bit for a minute and just get some clarity on spiritual hunger, what I'm trying to say here, versus natural hunger. So let me ask you this, anybody hungry right now? Be honest. You're like, let's, let's go coach. We got to get to wherever you like to go, Chewy's and, and who knows, TGI, I don't know where y'all like to eat. Where do we, we like to eat, I like to eat Mexican and chew, uh, tor I love torchies. Um, anyway, we'll end the service now and leave. No. So let's think about hunger. Does anybody ever get hangry? Ray, com confess your sin now. Raise your hand. Who's, the, who's my hangry people? I'm in that one. I'll put the arms in. I get really irritable. And so I want you to think about this. When you get hangry and you get that food, hopefully what happens 
10 or 15 minutes after that, what happens? You're happy? You went from a, it's a great day to be alive. You know, little Travis Tritt there, sorry. You just, you get into a good mood, right? Your endorphins pick up, your blood sugar is raised, and guess what? You're satisfied. You don't want to eat anymore, right? Spiritual hunger does not work like that. It works the opposite. When you eat natural food, you eat, you're mad, you're whatever, you're irritable, you eat that, you feel great. You don't want any more food. Spiritual hunger is different to God's word. When you spiritually are hunger, you feel that, that desire to have God and to be in the things and presence of God. The more you eat, guess what? I got to have more. I'm more hungry now because it's so good. Right? When Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, I, the food I have, you do not know of, and the water I have, you have never tasted. Because when, when you drink and eat this, you'll never thirst and be hungry again. Why is that? Because you'll consistently want it. Now, let's talk about if, think about spiritual hunger, the, another nuance is different. Again, once I said you eat real food, you're hungry, you're done. You don't want more until it's time to eat again, hopefully. Now, with, with, when you're spiritually hungry and you don't feed yourself spiritually, guess what you eventually end up losing? You lose your appetite. And without realizing it, you, don't, you stop reading God's word. You don't have a desire for it. We're going to get into that in a second. You've lost your spiritual appetite. That's the famine he's talking about here. We have lost an appetite for God's word. I'm not saying as, and, and there's people that are on fire for God, but as a nation, we're moving towards this spiritual famine right now. It's super clear when you really read uh, David Jeremiah's book. Um, the danger here is if we stop reading God's word, we will run the risk of losing our appetite. You used to read your Bible, you used to wake up and see your Bible, and now you see it and desire, you don't have no desire to read it. You've lost your appetite, and without ever realizing it, you are dangerously heading into spiritual famine. You're going to lose it. Another problem I think we see today is uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 7. This is, I mean, the industry, I, I work in the coaching industry, and this is, this is us right here. It says, but Mark, this is the Apostle Paul, but mark this, in the last days, he says, there will be terrible times. If you read the list of stuff, here's the, the highlight. Skip down to verse 7. People always will be learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. There is so much knowledge out there on your phone, on the Internet, courses and classes, but we've lost truth. And God's word is truth. Right? I love when, 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 when Jesus was being persecuted and Pilate asked him, he goes, what is truth? Even back then, they had lost the moral compass on, like, what real truth is, right? And so, there is a growing spiritual starvation that is severely, severely affecting our souls and producing a state of spiritual malnutrition like never before, right? There seems to be little concern or interest for Bible study right now. There really does. Um, again, I talked about relativism. Um, Relativism is this kind of anything goes, mankind writes its own rules, lives by none at all, constantly changing, adopting to the culture, responding to the culture, and interpreting scripture 
in all morality through what? The lens of the current culture and cancel culture. That's kind of what we're in right now. That's the, the atmosphere and, and what we're kind of, we're feeling. Um, our problem today, uh, I've got a, a hard copy of my Bible. I've got it, most of you probably have it on your phone. David Jeremiah talks about we have, there is six, it's estimated in a study that six billion copies of the Bible on the earth today. There's 7.6 billion people on the planet. So our problem is not access to the Bible. That's not our problem. Our problem is our hunger for it. Right? So think about this. 79% of the people on earth can read or have access, can study the Bible, but we're not. E.W. Tozer said this, the great people of the Bible in Christian history had an insatiable hunger for God and his word. God wants or he waits to be wanted, but too bad that so many of us wait so very long in vain. We're not pursuing and putting God in first place. So with that, that was kind of my kind of intro. Let's, let's talk about three, three keys to stop spiritual famine in your life. Again, I'm going to go a little different direction than David Jeremiah did. I want to give you a very practical, how do you apply this in your life? And I think we, we get so good at seeing what's going on in the world. We can talk about that. We can read about it and study it. But really, are you doing anything about it? And so I think what, what we've got to do as, a, as God's people, we've really got to, we've got to study this word. It's got to be something in us that, man, I'm starving and hungry for this word. I mean, I remember this message today. Um, growing up, uh, coming out of college, I played football at the University of Georgia. And coming out of college, man, I was, I was bound by lust. I was addicted to doing terrible things. I was emotionally, I had a lot of issues with my dad growing up, a lot of emotional wounds and hurts in my life that I was trying to fill with other things. But when I started studying that book right there, when I started studying God's word, he delivered me. He broke the chains. Depression left me. I got healed of my heart where, where my father could not feel the void. My heavenly father came in and healed that hurt. I forgave my dad and he reunited us. He reconciled and restored. God's word did that in my life. I had, I had problems in my marriage. I still have problems. Forgive me, Lord. He's still working on me. I'm not complete yet. Rachel knows. Alan, so. So, but God's word healed me. It, that book changed my life. I, say, I love this saying that there, I can read, I'm a love to read books, but the Bible, you read books, but the Bible's the one book that reads you. The Bible, it says in, in the, I forget where it's located, but it says the, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, bo the bones and the, the marrow and the joints. Now, that context, when you read that in Scripture, they're referring back to the priest when they would take the sacrifice. And he would, he would, he would strap the sacrifice on the altar. And the priest would come in with a knife, and he would, cut the, he would cut the sacrifice open, and everything would lay open. And you'd see the muscles and the blood and the bones and the tendon. He's saying God's word is like that knife. It's going to come in, it's going to cut your life, and it's going to open you up, and you're going to see really what's on the inside. You're going to get set free. God's word is the only word that can do that, and we've gotten away from it. We've gotten away from God's word. God's word will convict you of sin. Today, we don't, we don't, have, a, we don't have sin anymore. It's just, well, he's got to, you need to medicate that, and you need to get counseling, 
And you know, no, you, what you need to do is repent. That's, that's foul, that's not, that's wicked. You can dress it up, put whatever name you want on it, but that is sickness. And that's causing problems. I remember sitting with a, a, a friend of mine just a couple weeks ago, and he, his marriage had come to this point of a crossroads where they were about, they were going to get divorced. You know what saved him? He went to, they flew to Atlanta, and it came back to there was some kind of sin in the early days of their marriage that had been undealt with. Guess what brought it to light? God's word. They saw it, they confessed it, they repented, the counselor led them through it, and it healed their marriage. They're great now. What was it? God's word. God's word will do that in your life. When Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, how did he defeat the enemy? With God's word. And here's the thing about God's word, like d I can't read the word. I don't understand what I'm reading. That is a lame excuse, brother. That's lame. I remember when, when, uh, when, when you really want to get right and get healed and get strong, you'll start reading the word. I remember the first book I started reading was the book of Judges. Man, I don't know who Gideon was. I didn't know who Shammai was. I didn't know what an ox goat was. I was just reading it. And as, it was so good that God led me there because if you read the book of Judges, I finally understood that I'd lived this cycle of, if, if you look, the, there's a cycle in the book of Judges. There was people live for God, they get into bondage, into sin, they get entrapped, they go into backsliding, and then they would get oppressed by the enemy. God would send a deliverer, send his word, he would set them free, and they'd walk in victory, and they'd repeat that cycle again. That was my life in a nutshell at that point. Amen? And so God's word set me free. God's word set my friend's marriage free. God will set your life free. He'll bring Victory, uh, three keys to stopping spiritual failure. Number one is discipline. Number one is discipline. Of course, I'm going to talk about discipline as a coach. Sorry. We're not going to work out yet. We have four daughters, Karen and I, and when they were born, don't blame me on this or judge me for what I'm about to say. My girls were so big when they were born, like nine and 10 pound babies. Y'all pray for Karen. These babies were huge. These babies came out just like, man, we're the squat rack, D-Babe. I'm going to start squatting high knees, man, we power cleaning, we shot putting, like, man, where, where these babies come from? Big old babies. My dad was 6'5", like 360. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. My mom was big too. These babies came out. These babies were so big. Say it. How big was it? These babies were so big. Thank you. These babies were so big, Miss Karen couldn't keep up feeding them. They... When you, if you, when you get a newborn, you, you guys that have had kids, you, I didn't realize they got to keep their sugar levels at a certain, especially when they're young, because it can cause a lot of other problems. She couldn't keep up with them. And so the doctor comes in and goes, uh, your baby is so big, they're losing weight. And we need them to put on weight. If you want to leave this hospital, they need to put on weight before they leave here. Right now we're trending down. I was like, what do we do? He said, we're going to put them on a feeding regimen. And we're going to supplement your wife's going to feed your daughter, and then we're going to come in, the nurses, and we're going to supplement your kid every so many hours. And guess what they started doing? They started growing and put on weight. What was it? It was a routine. It was discipline. So we had to force feed our kids. If you want to grow spiritually, you have got to force feed yourself. It is a discipline. I don't feel like it sometimes. I don't I don't want to look at that, I, but you know what? I know I need to eat. My kids needed to eat spiritually. When I got saved, 
I knew I needed to eat, so I had to discipline myself. And of course, I got to put olive up there. You know, I got to put some Schwarzenegger on the screen this morning. Discipline is what you use when you don't want to do something, right? When you want to, you have to force yourself. So if you want to stop famine in your life spiritually, force feed yourself the Word of God. Discipline yourself. 2 Corinthians 9 here. Let's, I forgot that up there and put it on the screen. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. If you skip down, I'll read it here. Paul said, therefore I run thus, uh, not with uncertainty. And I fight uh, as one who, I'm not just beating the air. I'm not just punching air and disciplining myself because it's a waste of time. I'm not bored, he said. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I will myself become disqualified. Paul knew that as a man of God, as a child of God, as a leader of God, if he did not discipline himself, do things when he didn't feel like it, he would what? Become disqualified. The danger of spiritual famine is if you keep drifting away from God's word, you will at some point compromise. And it can disqualify you. Maybe not from ministry, but maybe from your job. You could lose your marriage. You could lose your kids, a friendship, whatever. There's so many things that can happen. Everybody kind of, I'm going to give you some practical stuff here today. This is kind of old school, but I, I like it. But your hand, hold your hand up like this. I'm going to give you five practical ways here of how you can get God's word in you, all right? Number one, the thumb is read it, right? Sometimes that's hard. Some of you guys, I know we don't, not everybody likes to read, but if you're going to read, come up with a plan. Uh, if you look at my Bible here, it is chalk full of, I've got notes, I've got uh, highlights. I've, I've, I also, what I like to do, uh, if you'll look through here as I'm reading God's word, I'll put a date and put my initials if I feel like that's a promise that God has put. This is my Bible. And this is, one of my favorite acronyms is Bible stands for what? Basic instructions before leaving earth. This is my instruction manual for life. There is nothing in this Bible that you won't face that won't help you through. Nothing. I always like to talk about the four P's when Israel went from, Israel was in Egypt, right? If you study the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament because of the metaphors. Israel was in Egypt. God speaks to them in Egypt while they're in bondage. That's our life, right? That's God gives you the promise. When you're in bondage, your life is what? Actually, a lot of times when God gives you a word, things get worse. They don't get better. My, I mean, you know, that, that, that's a deterrent from the enemy to try to stop you. So you get the promise in Egypt. Now, if he gives you the promise, the other P is what? There's a provision. There's, there's a promised land for you. But you're not in it. You're over in it. You're in bondage. So the promised land is over here. It's full of what? Milk, it's full of honey, it's houses you didn't build, wells you didn't, it's got land here. God has a, a spiritual promised land, right, for you. But in between what? The promise and the provision is what? The problems. That's the desert. If you study God's word, most people die in the desert. Why? Because they don't use the principles to get you through the problems. Promise, provision, problems, use God's word, the principles to guide you through the wilderness and the test to get you there. Amen? You've got to have discipline. 
So read it, study it was number two. Memorize it. I mean, you could, this is simple as like grab some note cards, write one scripture on it, stick it in your car, and just pull it out and read it every stoplight. And just kind of read, kind of memorize, get the word in here. Meditate on it. I'll do this a lot in the mornings. If, if I read something, I'll put the Bible down and just start really thinking about it. Meditate means it's that same word, that, the picture of how a cow eats eats grass, right? He'll chew it up on this side and put it on this side. He'll swallow it and spit it back up, which is gross. Sorry, but that's just, you're kind of, you're reflecting on what that means to you. And then hear it, which is what I'm doing now. I'm preaching God's word to you. Finding time versus making time. We're talking about discipline still, right? Um, average cell phone use per day, three hours and 15 minutes, 344 times a day you open your phone, right? Uh, that's over a thousand hours a year. And every four minutes, you're opening your phone. We all have time, we just don't make time. So that's point number one, is discipline. Questions here on this one. What kinds of things seem to always get in the way of you spending more time with God's word, right? Um, is there an individual or group that you can join to hold you accountable? What I've learned about discipline, if I don't have the habits and maybe the I don't have the, the routine set. It's not, it's not part of my life of who I am. I usually need somebody to hold me accountable to do it. I'm telling you, I've coached for almost 30 years now. The greatest athletes were never the most talented. They were the athletes that watch this, that grabbed one other person to work out and train, hold each other accountable. One person in your life can hold you accountable. You can, hold, you can encourage each other, right? to learn and study God's word. It will change your life. Mark 135 said this, now in the early in the morning, uh, having risen long before daylight, Jesus went out, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Even Jesus had to do what we're telling you. He had to discipline himself to read God's word. Point number two is desire. This is kind of cool. What you'll learn with desire is you discipline yourself. Now all of a sudden, guess what? Man, I, I never wanted to do that, but now I kind of want to do it. And you got to, the discipline piece is, is there first, right? I remember, we, we're, don't judge us for being horrible parents. Um, when our kids were little, Karen, this, I'm, I'm a, sorry, Rachel, you can tell Karen. I'm going to blame Karen on this one. Our kids didn't like vegetables. They would, you'd put that green bean in there and they'd spit it right back out. Try to pick it, scoop it back up. You got to eat this. You jam it back in there. They spit it right back out. And we, and, and here's what we, we were so mean that we would cover, okay, you don't have to eat it. And we wouldn't, we never made our kids clean their plate. That was not what we did. So please don't be mad at me. But we would cover it back up, put it in the refrigerator. Next morning, guess what you're having for breakfast? Green beans. And our, here's what we knew. If we would discipline those kids to eat vegetables, guess what they would eventually like? They would like vegetables. Guess who likes vegetables today? Our kids will actually eat vegetables. It's a miracle, not all the time. But again, eventually, as you desire, discipline yourself, the desire will come. I'll never forget, uh, anybody remember, I'm kind of dating myself. Anybody like comic books in here? I'm kind of getting off the digital stuff. Comic books, yeah, I loved comic books growing up. We had, uh, my dad had some stacks of comic books in a, in a barn back in Tennessee. And I would go up there and I would just like, I would read through these comic books of, you know, I think it was like the Fantastic Four and 
uh, a lot of the superheroes, Spider-Man, I loved reading them. And I would get up there, and there was, in the end of, the, end of those comic books back then, there was an old Charles Atlas advertisement. Who knows who Charles Atlas is? Charles Atlas was this big, back then, you know, fitness wasn't as good, but he loved to lift weights. And there is, the title of this advertisement was, The Insult That Turned Mac Into a Man. And you can go Google it later today, but it was a picture of, a, of this, this real scrawny little, little girly man. And he had this really beautiful lady, and he's on the beach, and this big muscle guy comes up and just kicks sand on him and disrespects him and tries to take his girl. Well, Mac sees this advertisement from Charles Atlas, he orders the program, starts training and lifting, right, gets strong, and does what? The man comes back, you know, months later and tries to kick sand in his face again, and Mac stands up and confronts him and beats him down and then wins the day. He was the hero. And so when I first started uh, learning about God's Word, God used that comic book strip in my life. And what I saw was this. I was a big football player from Georgia, was strong, could lift weights, but spiritually I was just so weak. I was like Mac in the spirit. And if you could do that today, man, if you could look at people, if you could look at people in life and you could physically see their outward appearance, they may be wealthy, they may have money, a nice house, they drive a fancy car, but spiritually they are so malnourished and so weak. And God doesn't, God wants us to be strong spiritually, right? Second Peter 2, 2 through 3 says this, as newborn babes desire, there's that second word again, desire the pure milk of the word, that what? That you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. A couple things about your, your, what we see today, and this is from Steve Farrar, Spirit uh, Point Man, from this book. It's so amazing. Uh, thousands of Christian men today have spiritual anorexia. What does that mean? Is... is that they are ineffective in leading their families. What is spiritual anorexia? Steve Farrar labels it. Spiritual anorexia is an aversion to reading scripture. How many men today don't ever read the Bible? They've got a copy of it, but they don't read it. They just, I don't want to read that. I don't need that. No, you're the main one that needs that. I can tell you right now, when I first got saved, this is what I needed more than anything, more than I needed a protein shake to do another upper body session and eat a big old meal. I needed God's word because I was jacked up on the inside. Again, going back to Israel, when they went from, the, from Egypt to the promised land, it was their soul that needed deliverance in the wilderness. The wilderness oftentimes is a training ground to put you through hard times and tests to get that junk that was in you in Egypt before you get over to the promised land because what he's got for you. God's trying to prepare you and clean you up before you get there, right? Um, I was listening to another uh, little, a little reel this week, uh, Miles Monroe. I love, he passed away years ago in a, in a tragic accident. But he was talking about how oftentimes God will give you a vision about what he has for you. It's clear, it's exciting, it's romantic. Here's the vision of what he's got for you, but then you go back over here, he will not, here's what God won't do, he will not show you what you're gonna go through to get to that vision. Why do you think that is? Because you would quit. You would not do it. You're like, I'm tapping out, I'm not, coach, take me out. And so God said, here's the vision, but guess what? He's gonna take you through training for reigning to get you to the vision. You've got to go through. So spiritual anorexia 
It's an aversion. The other one is spiritual bulimia. This one's uh, very convicting to me at times, for sure. Spiritually speaking, bulimia is an inconsistent reading and hearing of the word without personal application. Wow. You read it. You're that, you're that person like, oh, yeah, I've got that underlined in my Bible seven times with three different markers. But, yeah, you're not living it. That's great that you can quote it, right, that you know it, but are you actually, oh, I know I'm not supposed to be angry. I'm going to be angry. Oh, I know I'm not supposed to talk bad about people, but I'm still going to gossip and talk bad about people. But you're not applying God's word in your life, right? There's a, there's a bulimia there, right? Psalm 42, 1 through 2 says this, And as a deer pants for the water, brook, so my soul pants for you. God, my soul thirsts for you in a dry and living, a dry and thirsty land. So point number one was what? You remember? Discipline. Point number two, delight. Last point today. Well, actually, wait, wait. Got to back up. One more thing. One more thing. If you've never, I, I encourage you today, get this book. You can get it off the internet. It's, I think it's free. But it's Derek Prince, and it's called God's Little Medicine Bottle. And it's all about the power of God's word. It's, more, it's a short little read. You can get it. And it's Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. Listen to what Derek teaches on here. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Spoiler alert, the book talks about how God's word is medicine. And think about it, if you take prescriptions, there's usually instructions on it. It says take what? One tablet three times a day with meals. And so Derek Reed has this revelation of how God's word, this Proverbs 4 has read, that if you will take his word daily, it will heal your flesh, it will renew your mind, it will set you. God's word is that powerful. But if we would take it like medicine versus like, oh, I have to do that, it is something that will do so much for you. Um, God's word heals you. God's word delivers you. It, it breaks bondages, right? It convicts you of sin. It clarifies. God's word is what? It exposes. It encourages you, right? And it drives out darkness in your life. There, I mean, that's just a few of the, the benefits when you take that medicine. So questions here is what have you been taking into your spirit lately that's making you sick? Maybe you need to switch your diet out and start taking some of God's medicine, God's word. Are you, just, are you, are you full of anxiety? I would say probably 90% of our kids today, anxiety they have is about stuff they can't control. But guess what would solve it? This right here. I, I went through a book, a uh, Christian counselor, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and it's called Clean Up Your Mental Mess. And guess what the program entails? Renewing the mind, like the word says. Do not be transformed into the image of the world, but will be, be transformed through what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When you read God's word, your mind is renewed. It cleans up a lot of stuff in there. It, it washes. The Bible says, let us be cleansed through the washing of the water of the word. The, the word is like water. It washes over your life and cleanses you. It cleanses your conscience. It cleanses your motives. It cleanses your relationships. It cleanses your thought life, your ears, what you hear, right? How many of you gone into a situation, you walk out, I just feel dirty spiritually. I, l I listen or I saw something on TV. Well, I got to go back to the word, right? And I got to cleanse my life and wash myself so that I'm clean again and can walk in power. 
Third point today, and we'll be done, delight. So first point was discipline. Second point was desire. Third one's delight. And this is all kind of how it works. And I remember, um, I've got up there, don't, who, who, anybody like to work upper body in here? The fellas on the road. Y'all do leg day at all? Y'all skip leg day? Y'all skip, don't skip leg day. If you go to Gold's Gym or any fitness place, you got to go watch, ladies, you got to go watch all the dudes because they're walking around. They got like an armpit rash under their arms, right? I've always noticed guys put very little clothing on, real upper, big upper bodies, but their legs, they got big old sweatpants on. They, they, they calves, they could jump in a Coke bottle. The calves are so small. And so when you, I remember as a, as a young athlete, in, I grew up in Gallatin, Tennessee, and my head coach calls this meeting one time, and I was like, oh, man, when a head coach wants to talk to you one-on-one behind closed door, you're thinking like, oh, my God. I thought, I, I, I said, wait a minute, I, I haven't skipped class. I didn't get, I ain't been doing, I didn't get arrested. Um, I'm trying to think, why, why does he want to meet with me? So he sets me down. He goes, hey, Donnie. He goes, our coaching staff's been talking. I'm shaking in my boots. He's like, we've been watching you, and we've noticed you're getting bigger and stronger, and we've noticed you really like doing upper body, but your legs are weak and small. You talk about dagger to the heart. I was like, oh, I know it. I didn't like doing legs. I skipped leg day all the time in high school because I, I would do upper body because I'd go get in the and I would just cover up my legs. And you know what? The, I didn't like squatting because it, when I got out of here, my knees would shake and cave and then I'd get... I'd have like, you know, like a hump, like hump in my back. And it was, I just, but I was so bad at it that I would just skip it and just do the things I loved. Right? And I think sometimes in the church and in our world, we can do a devotional. And I'm not against devotionals, but you know what? That's like a snack. Right? My, my daughter works at a, you ever been to, a, it's the, the, the nice steakhouse here, Steiner Ranch Steakhouse. Could you imagine going to Steiner Ranch Steakhouse and they got this huge steak menu and you go, I just, I just take some waters and cracker. That's a snack. Yeah, you, you ain't going to die, but you ain't going to, you skipping leg day though, bro. You, you want a steak when you go in there. And so what I started doing as an athlete, I started, I started putting the upper body stuff, that's like the dessert and all the fun foods I like. And I started doing, all I started doing was legs. And you know what I ended up doing? I got to where I love leg day. And when I would go to the, in the summers, man, instead of taking my shirt off, I keep those tight shorts on because my leg, I have quadzilla, baby, let's go. I'm like, baby, look, look at these ham hawks down here, baby. Let's go. Put, the, put some weight on your back. And so, man, it, when it comes to God's word, don't skip leg day. Don't just eat the little, like, uh, I watched a two-minute uh, little encouraging word on the Instagram reel. I mean, I'm not saying you don't do that, but, like, study God's word. Like, dig deep into it. Jeremiah uh, 15, 16 says this, when your words came... I ate them, and here's what he says, watch this. They were joy of, of my heart and a delight, right? For I love your name, O Lord God Almighty. He said, your words were what? A joy and delight in my heart. Is God's word a delight? If it's not, you got to go back and what? Discipline yourself. Then the desire will come, but eventually, I'm at the point now in my life, like I delight in God's word. It's so alive to me. It's so, it, 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 it encourages, man, now, do I skip it still sometimes? I do, I'm a human. But I love reading God. I know that this word will save my marriage, my kids, my work. When I went through something recently tough at work, guess what I went to? God's word. 
brought me through. It sustained me through that. Psalms 119.16 says, I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you've got to have a relationship with your Bible. The Bible says in John 1 said that in the beginning was the word and the word what became flesh and dwelt among us. When you go look at Jesus, when he parts the sky in the end times, the Bible says that there will be a sharp sword coming out of his mouth that will be the word of God. God's word is com- the only thing that will never change. Heaven and earth, Jesus said, will pass away, but my words will never change or pass away. God's word, three things. I'm almost done here. Three things about God's word. God's word is divine. It's not from this planet. It's divine. Number one, it's eternal. This is the eternal word of God. And number three, it is indestructible. It is indestructible. God's word is undefeated. You can cancel all the people you want on this planet, but you ain't canceling this. This cannot be stopped. It cannot be canceled. God's word says in Isaiah, it will not return void. It will go forth and accomplish the very thing I sent it to do. Sin and Satan may stop you for a season or a moment, but God's word will come to pass in your life. It is the one eternal, divine, and destructive, indestructible thing that you can build your life on. It's God's word. John 6.35, Jesus declared this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. You have got to get this word. In your, you, this is the one thing that will sustain your life. Amen. So as, I'm going to close with a story. If I could have uh, Brother Jed come up. I want to read a quick little, just a, a story, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. But again, the, the main message is simple today, man. Read your Bibles. Get, in, get, get some accountability. Um, I don't care if you've been a Christian for five minutes or 45 years. We need, I need the word more today than I did when I got saved. Because I got more, I got more responsibility. I got more people I can mess up. So I, I, need God's, I need God's grace and his word day more than ever. So let me read this to you. Um, I need my glasses. Sorry, I've gotten to that stage of my life. All right, here we go. Last thing, and we'll, we'll shut her down. Uh, Jesse Maple of West Lafayette, Ohio, was drafted into the Army during Vietnam War at the age of 19. Before he left, he was given a King James Bible by the Gideons and carried it throughout his tour. He survived what he describes as many close calls, then gave the Bible to his brother Bill, and Bill transferred from Europe to fight in Vietnam. Before Bill left Vietnam, he gave the Bible to a close friend, Roger Hill, who also grew grew up in West Lafayette. Hill wrapped it in a plastic bag to protect it from uh, the monsoon rains and had it with him when he was severely wounded in his final tour. He goes, I still pray to God every day and thank him for another day, Hill later said. The Bible then went to another West Lafayette native, Cliff McPeak, who fought in the Gulf War. Next, it went to Zach Miller, who joined the Ohio Army National Guard and was deployed in Iraq. When Miller finished his initial tour of duty, the Bible was given to another pair of brothers from West Lafayette. They carried it into battle in Iraq and Afghanistan before returning to Miller for safekeeping in 2019. In total, watch this, the Bible was carried by seven soldiers through 11 Army tours. Miller interviewed them for a book about their stories, learning that the men were not all devout, but watch this, they were all strengthened and encouraged and comforted from the Bible. In very trying times, having that Bible will give you a little ease. 
that you're going through. Here's the cool thing about this. Um, what they found out in the research, those that were deployed into battle were twice as likely to read God's word because of the situation they were in. Let me, let me say the last point today. We're in a battle. This is a real war. No, this, the real war is a spiritual war for your life. And the enemy hates you, he hates us, and he's coming after us. But you know what? This is your weapon. This is your weapon. It cannot be defeated. It's never been defeated. It will not ever be defeated. It's God's word. And if, there's, if you go study God's word throughout scripture, God's word will come. The enemy comes in like a flood to try to separate us from God's word. You see it with Adam and Eve. You see it all throughout the New Testament. God's word comes. Satan comes in like an enemy and, and tries to distract and deploy you and get you away from it. And that's what he's doing right. We are in a spiritual famine in the beginning of that. But let's take a stand. Let's study God's word. Let's defeat the enemy. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you again so much for the word today. And I just, simple, Lord. As everybody's praying, right now in your seat, I want you to do this. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do today? Have you lost your discipline? Do you just, are you just making excuses of why you don't read the word anymore? You've lost your hunger, your fire, you're discouraged, you're depressed, whatever. Do you need to make it a desire? Lord, help me with, I'm going to discipline myself, but Lord, give me that desire back. Is there, a, is, is there a Bible study you want me to take and, and start? Is there a group you want me, is there somebody you want me to call today, Lord? Ask him, Holy, what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do today? Because eventually, God wants it to be a delight. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, convict us, bring clarity of what you, that we would take action when we walk out of here today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we give you the glory and honor. Amen. Can you lift your eyes? So that's it for today. Uh, again, I encourage you, my encourage, don't leave here today and listen to what I said and don't do anything. Tell a friend, tell a partner, grab a Bible, start reading it. If you've been on, if you fell off, let's get back on it, all right? In the times and seasons, let's fight the spirit of the family. Let's be right? Amen. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you guys. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you're able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.